Good afternoon, my friends. It's a uh, nice, beautiful day. We're seeing the changing of the seasons here in Texas. A little bit of cool nights, a little bit of actual some of that wet stuff today, which we could use a little bit more of that, I think. Uh, but glad to have what we can. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, Lord's Day this Sunday and that you've had a chance uh, to worship with God's people, either online through the magic and the wonder of internet technology, or uh, perhaps even in person. We had a good gathering at our West Irwin Church of Christ this morning. Uh, had many more that were join us in worship online, and what a great blessing! Uh, great blessing that is. Uh, a little note as we get started today. Uh, this coming week, Thursday is Thanksgiving. And so because of the holiday weekend, I'm going to not have a uh, message from Philippians next Sunday afternoon. Uh, but I do plan on uh, having a short devotional, perhaps still at the same time at 4 p.m. on Sunday. So I'm glad to see a few folks joining in already. It's nice to see my dear friends Larry and Lynn Murphy who continue to keep Joyce and I in prayers and send us encouraging notes and cards and uh, Y'all are very special to us, and we love you and your family and so many others who have us in mind, including Cindy and Eric Mosley, what dear, dear friends they are, and they have joined us today as well. Um, and so I do want us to look at this great and marvelous passage in Philippians 4. It's uh, the fourth chapter of Philippians contains some some very wonderful words. Um, most all of us memorized Philippians 4.13 from a very young age. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I hope it's very simply put, there is a context around it. And in two weeks, uh, we're going to get to see that context on December the 6th. And then on December the 13th, we'll close out this series of lessons on Sunday afternoons uh, in, our, in our Facebook study. But I plan on resuming these uh, later on in January and doing a different study um, on these Facebook messages. And, uh, and so I encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, but uh, for now, we're looking at another great passage in Philippians 4. It happens a little bit earlier than Philippians 4.13. But it is uh, based, it begins with those great words, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice in Philippians 4 verse 4. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep us. Uh, we had uh, a great uh, uh, look at that great and wonderful passage this past Sunday, and we're going to revisit that a little bit today as well. And, uh, and then today we have a great, great passage from some other familiar words uh, where uh, in, in Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9 is where our focus will be. Uh, my dear friends and sister and brother Lenny and Joe Allard are with us and wonderful source of encouragement to me personally and to Joyce and, and have been very, very dear, dear friends uh, for years and years. We go back to as many others from our uh, connections with the Woodland West Church in Arlington, Texas. Uh, we go back 35 years to 1985. We must have all been babies when we first met. That's the only thing I can figure. Um, but with all of that in mind, I want to begin today with a, with a question, and that is, how can you live at peace in a world filled with trouble? I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy. Those of you that know me know I tend to 
uh, operate out of the other extreme, and so I have to be careful about that. But even I understand the times and know that there are a lot of difficulties in our world today. This pandemic just seems to uh, be getting another wind. I don't know if it's the second or third wind, but it is certainly overtaking a lot of our families. And it is, um, it is running rampant through our country and through our cities and even in many of our churches. And, uh, and so we continue to pray to God for that and, and ask him to give us relief and to help us through this, to manage life in the days of COVID-19. Uh, and I believe that he has and I believe that he will. Um, there's that eternal optimist of Bill coming out. See, I told you it was there somewhere. But I think in Scripture, we're told to be optimistic, but also to be told to realize that we there's, there's no reason to deny the reality of difficulties. Jesus never did. His followers in the first century church never did. This great passage in Philippians 4 that calls us to rejoice in all circumstances uh, doesn't deny the reality of the difficulties and affirms those things. And so I think it's okay for us to do that as well. Um, how, but in the midst of all of that, how can, how can you do that? How can you live at peace in a world filled with trouble? How can you rejoice uh, always? And I think the answer to that, as we saw in Philippians 4, verse 4, is to be in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord is gives you the possibility of rejoicing even in the worst of circumstances. Again, not denying, sometimes shedding tears, sometimes going through great difficulties, um, always, certainly so. But at the same time, that that foundation of joy and peace, even as we're going to see, especially today, is something that the external circumstances just can't take away. So even in the midst of a still divided country and an election year uh, that uh, continues on uh, and in the midst of a worldwide pandemic that reaches into uh, many of our families and homes and churches and communities, um, there's a lot going on in the midst of the economic uh, difficulties that, that stem from some of those things. Uh, we realize that and we recognize that. And so I'm glad to be able to, uh, to discuss these things. I'm glad to be able to share uh, some of these things. And um, and so welcome to you, Jenny, who just signed in as well. And and these it's true. These these lessons from Philippians are very important for all of us because Paul, again, is writing from jail. He's writing from at least house arrest as uh, the book of Acts ends in Acts 28. Most think that these prison epistles, uh, Colossians and Philemon, uh, Ephesians and Philippians are written during that time. And Paul does not have his freedom and his liberty, and yet he can say things like rejoice in the Lord always. And he can talk about the peace that passes understanding that's available to us. And as we're going to see today, he's going to talk about how the God of peace is with us always, even, even in hard and difficult times. So I want us to speak today about peace of heart and peace of mind. And really, the first verses in this passage of Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, we looked at primarily last week, and we'll kind of review that for just a moment. Uh, talk to us about peace of heart. And then verses 8 and 9, where we'll focus today, talks to us about peace of mind. Um, so again, uh, Philippians 4, starting with verse 4, and reading first through verse 7, first of all, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, verse 5, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, one of the great, great passages that uh, remind us so much of how God's peace and God's joy is a part of our lives and is something that Satan cannot threaten with external difficulties and, and trouble in this world. Again, we are reminded of the, that great promise from Jesus in John 16, where he says, In the world you will have trouble, but I've told you these things um, so that in me you might have peace. I have overcome the world. Several times, as we saw in the, in the Gospel of John, as he was writing, as he was talking to his closest disciples just hours before his own suffering and death and passion, we remember uh, that he told them, I'm telling you these things so that my joy can be in you and that your joy can be complete. Um, Jesus clearly lived and taught and demonstrated that the joy that we have in this life and, as this passage says, the peace that passes all understanding is something that is not based on the external circumstances. And that's why people in the world have a hard time understanding it. Because the only time that they can have peace, the only time that they can feel joy and happiness is when it's about the feelings, when all of the circumstances of life measure up and, and are going their way. And the New Testament is about Christians, disciples of Jesus Christ, who suffered because of their faith and who looked to the one who suffered because he was the Son of God and died for our sins and yet rose from the dead. And so these words that we find in those verses I just read, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, call us to rejoice in all circumstances because we're rejoicing in the Lord. We're rejoicing in the one who died for us and no one can take that joy away and no one can take that peace away. Yeah, it's a peace that is incomprehensible if you're only looking at it through human eyes. If you're, only, if you're not looking at it through the eyes of faith, then you can't understand how the people of God can be at peace. And yet, just as our Lord was hours before his own death, we too are at peace. That peace of God that, that transcends and surpasses all understanding and comprehension guards our hearts and our minds uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're talking today about peace of heart, and that's these verses that I just read. But today we're also focusing on peace of mind. How can you have that in today's world? You can. And here's how. Verses 8 and 9 of Philippians 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Ah, such an incredible statement of faith and such an incredible call. Um, and, and it tells us how we can have peace of mind. Uh, and, and I think in this passage, Paul tells us two main 
things. He tells us to think about the good things, the positive things, the things that bring joy, the things that bring peace, the things that are godly. But he also talks to us about the promise that comes from that if we will put these things, these good things, into practice. And so I think two things from this passage. Paul tells us to control our minds, to think about such things. And he tells us to control our behavior, to put these things into practice. Okay, let's look at this great passage. Uh, We must be in control when it comes to our thoughts and our minds. That seems almost impossible, but it's not. And I think we can. Um, And I think it's important for us to remember what this means and what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that, that every second that our minds will be only on good things, because sometimes that's how Satan tempts us, is he puts these bad things into our minds, the things that aren't like what Paul talked about here. Just like on your computer, and I've talked about this before, you have your laptop open or your cell phone open on the internet and you're looking at different things and then all of a sudden an ad pops in that takes your mind away from where you know God wants it to be. That could be in a uh, pornographic way uh, that leads to pornography. It could be in a way that simply causes you to think ill of other people in a way that that uh, is uh, condemned by Scripture. It's a way that stirs your anger up or stirs your fear up. We see a lot of that today, and that's one of my deepest concerns about the nature and the tone of everything we see on television, on the Internet, uh, everything that we read from the newspapers, from uh, the news reporters. It's instilling fear. And it's instilling anxiety and it's um, instilling anger. And I granted there are some things that should upset us. Uh, That's certainly true. Jesus was mad, as you know, at times. But it was about sinful things. It was about things that carried people away from God. And in the midst of all of those, still he trusted the Father. And still he knew that the Father was in control. And I think that's should be the bottom line for us. Um, However, a lot of other things work out. uh, We don't have to be afraid and we don't have to be angry uh, all the time, the way it seems many in our culture are right now, um, over things that aren't eternal. Jesus got mad about things. Yes, he did, but it was about things that had an eternal consequence. And so we are concerned about the nature of our political world today. We're concerned about the future of our country, and rightly so. And we pray about that all the time. I pray about that all the time. But I'm not angry, and I'm not afraid all the time. And I think that's what we need to caution ourselves about. And that's what this passage in Philippians 4 speaks out against. And so I understand that Satan is going to throw things into our mind at times uh, that will take us away from that trust and faith and joy and peace in God. But we don't have to dwell on those things. And that's the difference. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to let our mind dwell on those things. We don't have to think on those things. We can turn them loose and put something good back in its place. Reminded of that um, 
parable that Jesus tells about that uh, spirit, that unclean spirit, that demon that was in someone's home and in someone's heart, and, and they cast them out. Uh, but they didn't put anything in its place. They cleaned the place up, but they didn't put good things and the good spirit and the good ideas and the good thoughts there. And so when the spirit came back and saw this wonderfully clean place, came back and brought more with them, and, and the end was even worse than the beginning. God expects us to not just do the thou shouts, but he expects us to do the thou shouts. He doesn't just expect us and call us to keep the bad things from dwelling in our mind. But the way to do that is he calls us to think on the good things. So what are those good things? Well, they're things that are true. Again, focusing on the things that are truthful, the things that are faithful, uh, the things that are uh, have to deal with the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me in John 14, verse 6. Things that are noble, uh, things that are right, uh, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable. This is the list that Paul gives us. And of course, it's not a complete list. I think it would be a great list that I think we've done it before. I think others have done it before where you focus in a um, in a Wednesday night summer series, for example, and give uh, visiting preachers or speakers the opportunity to talk about each one of these things. And we could do that in a series like this, but we that's not our focus. Our focus is on the whole book of Philippians. And so I want to just remind us of what these words really lead us to, things that are true, things that are noble, uh, things that are favorable uh, with people, things that are right, not things that are wrong. And, and we know, I think we know, when we're letting our mind dwell on something that is against God's will, when we let our minds dwell on things that are contrary to what God wants us to let our minds dwell on, um, he wants us to think about things that are right, things that are pure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Um, and all of those wonderful Beatitudes speak about this same kind of list that talk about what it means to be able to be close to God and to have more of God's nature in our lives than of the nature of sin. Uh, things that are pure, things that are lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is uh, of good reputation, whatever will cause people to think well of the one that we have put our trust in, uh, that are things that are worthy of admiration. Uh, these are the things, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so I want to, I want to remind us today that we have that capability. Yes, I know things will pop into our head at times. I get that. I get that. And yes, I know we will be tempted. Uh, Satan will cause, try to cause us to turn our minds away from God. But we don't have to stay there. And that's on us. That's not on the person that made that uh, 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 laptop or that internet space where they allow ads to come in that that encourage us to be disrespectful or encourage us to think ill of others. Uh, that's not that's not on uh, them. This is on us if we allow them to win. If we pursue that and instead of putting an end to it, 
Scripture says to think about the good things. Think on these things. Think about such things. And so uh, two ways that Paul tells us in this passage to have peace of mind. One is to think about the good things, the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But the second part of this is to act on them, to live this kind of life, to not just think about these things, but to do these things. Um, And that's why he says, whatever, in verse 9 of Philippians 4, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. We look to others who are good examples uh, and we try to imitate their lives. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In Philippians chapters 2 and 3, as we have seen, Paul listed several examples of individuals that were good and were encouraging, such as Timothy uh, and Epaphroditus and others that Paul speaks about uh, in this great letter and in other letters, such as the book of Colossians. Uh, Paul speaks of that as he reminds them of people that they know, people that worked with him, people that he says, not, not just me, but others. Paul says that we are to look to others uh, and put their lives into practice. The areas, they're not perfect, but we see areas where they fulfill God's will. And we think of that great passage in Hebrews chapter 11, where time after time the writer says, By faith, here are some examples of people that acted and did great things for God. Um, we are to act on that faith. And, and so he tells us to control our minds, to think about the good things. And he also tells us to put the good things into practice in our lives based on the example of people that we see around us. But I think we could also see that this calls us to be that example for others. Others need to be watching us. To, to see what a life of faith looks like. Again, we're not going to do that perfectly, but we can do that faithfully. And it's very important for us not to just have good examples in our lives, but to be that kind of example and that model of Christian faith to others as well. Uh, we have, in, in light of all of this now, we have the promise of the presence of the God of peace. And several times in these verses, Paul says that exact thing. In verse 5 of Philippians 4, the Lord is near. Um, In verse 6, calling us to pray to the God who is near. Verse 7, reminding us that this, the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that we'll have that. And that it will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then at the end of this passage, in verse 9, he says this, And the God of peace will be with you. That doesn't mean that all of our troubles are going to go away. That doesn't mean that all the concerns will be over with. It doesn't mean that the pandemic will end tomorrow, though that would be great. Um, It doesn't mean that we'll get the good job. It doesn't mean that our family will treat us the way they should. It doesn't mean that others uh, will uh, not be mean or cruel to us. Um, It simply means that in the midst of whatever life holds, the God of peace will be with us. Jesus promised that when he gave us that great commission in Matthew 28, 
to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that he has commanded us. But then that verse 20 reminds us of the power behind that commission. And I will be with you always, Jesus says, to the very end of the age. And that's what gives us peace. That is what enables us to be able to rejoice in whatever the circumstances. Rejoice in the world in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The God of peace will be with you. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've used a story before, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell. And it's a story that was found in a newsletter a long time ago. And it's one that you perhaps have heard. But I want to read this to you to remind us of what this peace of heart and peace of mind is like. This is from an article called Peace Amid Turmoil. There once was a king who announced a painting contest. He was building a new palace and he wanted the main entrance hall to be decorated with a large work of art. The king envisioned his kingdom as a peaceful land, so whoever's painting best symbolized peace would win a large cash prize. Over the next few months, hundreds of paintings arrived at the palace. The king decided on the top two. Before announcing a winner, he hung both paintings in the palace for public viewing. The first painting was of a majestic lake, so tranquil and still that the lush hills behind it were perfectly mirrored in its reflection. The sky was a brilliant blue with soft, puffy clouds floating above. Wildflowers bursting with color outlined the lake, and a family of deer calmly grazed in a far meadow. All who saw it felt peace and happiness. The second painting portrayed a tall mountain cliff, rugged and strong. A few small trees grew out of the cracks of the face of the cliff, with gnarled roots clinging for life. A foamy waterfall angrily crashed down the cliff and into the rocky land below. Above, dark, ominous clouds loomed, and in the distance, lightning flashed. Halfway up the cliff grew a small bush, and in its branches, a bird sat in a nest, apparently warming her eggs. After several weeks, the king declared the second painting the winner. Confused and upset, the people asked the king to explain his decision. He said, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is a state of mind. Those who experience peace have love in their hearts, even when turmoil surrounds them. What a great illustration of the kind of peace that can only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Take your, be anxious for nothing, but instead, with thanksgiving and gratitude in your heart, present your request to God. Pray about the things that are going on in your life, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the God of peace will be with you. If there's anything that is true and noble and admirable and all these other great things we mentioned today. Think about those things. Control your mind. Don't let Satan get away with having your mind and your thoughts, but rather you control that. You put good things there. You think about 
such things like these, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. The result of turning it over to God is peace of heart and peace of mind. And so again, these verses, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, and we'll end our study with this reading. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen.